You're tuned in to the Tin Roof Farm Radio Show, a podcast from Greenville, South Carolina, on all things food, beverage, locally roasted coffee, and craft beer. I'm John Malik, the lesser half of Greenville's best-loved chef couple, John and Amy Malik, and we're broadcasting from our Tin Roof Farm in Piedmont, South Carolina. Thank you for listening, and welcome to the show. and thank you so much for tuning in. So, you have questions and I have answers. (laughs) Where the hell have I been? Well, last year in the early lurches of the pandemic, I was laid off from Sobey's Restaurant. Uh, That was certainly not a shock. You know, I took a a two-month sabbatical and hoping that I would come back to work after those two months. Well, I was their special event chef and, of course, the events disappeared in uh, mid-March of 2020. And when, remember when we were all asked to stay home and flatten the curve? Well, about a, a month later, uh, after all that happened, I guess it was like late April, I received an offer to consult for a, a startup restaurant in Sumter. And they had the misfortune to open in January of 2020 and had asked me to guide them through their May reopening. Um, so I fulfilled that contract and I was with them for uh, a little bit over two months and um, the, the events were not coming back, certainly. Um, I was sitting on the deck of our farm and watching the chickens happily make their way across our back pasture and felt an immense pressure as the, the grim news of our hospitality business just piled up daily. We, you know, we had well-known restaurants and hotels across the country. They were closing, and there was, just seemed to be no sign of this letting up. So one day I reached out to an old friend of mine, uh, Robert. He's been working on an international project in, in Belize and um, had read about Belize many times, uh, heard it was lovely, and I jokingly asked him. I texted him and said, hey, do you know of a bar for sale in Belize? Because I didn't like the way things were going here. And uh, so he called me the next day and, and, and said, Malik, are you serious? <laughs> and we hadn't seen each other in a few years, and we got together uh, for lunch over at uh, Stella's Brasserie, and and um, we had a long talk about Belize, and um, so about a week later, um, we were in bed. Amy was drifting off. It was probably Friday night, 10 o'clock or whatever. She was I already put her book down, and uh, I, I, I said, so uh, how would you feel about moving to Belize for a year? <laughs> she was jolted awake and screamed, Belize, you know? <laughs> She thought she was dreaming. So at the time, Belize was close to tourism, and um, the next day we started discussing, you know, what, what brought that on and, and uh, the challenges of, of moving not just out of Greenville, but to another country, one we'd never actually visited. And as close as we've come to Belize was a week near Tulum, Mexico, which we love, this beautiful part of the world. And that was back when I was still writing for the HuffPost, and I tell you, when the, when the food and travel writer for the HuffPost shows up, <laughs> let's just say that we were treated very well. Um, and at the time, we were less than 200 miles north of Belize. And one of the, one of the concierges that we, that we talked to that was kind of guiding us around Tulum and Akamal had encouraged us, encouraged us to, um, to go visit Belize as it was a young, developing country. You know, it's only 40 years old and... And it's, it's got an incredible array of fresh seafood because it's right, the coral reef is 
uh, hundreds of yards off the coast, and, and, they, and they grow a mind-boggling array of fruits and vegetables. Uh, so when I asked Amy about, you know, if she, how did you feel about spending a year in Belize? Well, she, you know, she didn't exactly think I was insane. So that was late July last year, and we started a real conversation about what it would take to make that happen. And we ended up with a, a variety of checklists, and then one night over a bottle of wine, uh, we were sitting out on the deck, and we were going over the pros and cons, and it was right there that we made up our mind and said, okay, let's do it, right? And uh, so the, the, the last box we had to check was we had to call our financial planner, Ed Blackburn, and uh, so we called him up, we had a conference call, and um, so we told him what we had in mind, and we, we agreed that if he says, you're crazy, let's don't do it, then we wouldn't do it. If he says yes, then we would do it. And so we told Ed our idea of renting out our farm and, and moving to Belize for a year, and he blurted out, wow, what a great idea. Let's make it happen. <laughs> so, so that was it. Then that, that put us on a path, and we set a, we set a date. Uh, originally, we were going to go October 1. Uh, we thought Belize would be open by, like, early September, or at least Robert did. Uh, turned out it, didn't, it did not open until October 1, and uh, Robert's contacts um, thought it would be best until we wait uh, about a month after Belize opened, so we set a date for November 1. And uh, so that gave us, like, two and a half months or so to, to prepare and uh, we, we gave away our chickens to some other hobby farmers. Uh, we gave away our cats, gave them the new homes, good homes, right? Decided to take both of our dogs with us, Otis and Pumpkin. They're small dogs. Uh, and there was a few hoops to jump through with that. And, and everything took some time, right? Just planning and plotting. And so, so anyway, when November 1 came here, we were, we were off to Belize, uh, one of our goals was to write a book about our adventure, and I got started right away. Uh, posted essays on my website. Amy posted recipes, and with a, a, a fistful of colored pencils, charcoal pencils, uh, she drew photo. She excuse me. She drew pictures of um, a lot of our better photos. And in January of this year, uh, way back January of 2020, I found an editor. I interviewed several and. Um, I found this editor, Brianna, and told her my goals. I sent her one of my essays, and I said, you know, flat out, my goal is to produce a New York Times bestseller, and I know that's a, that's a big tree to climb, right? But I like to climb trees. <laughs> um, so why didn't I do the podcast while I was there? Because you would think that'd be a no-brainer, right? So I brought the laptop, I brought the mic, uh, yet it seemed like we, we always had a Wi-Fi issue, right? You need a bunch of Wi-Fi when you're, when you're loading these things, these, uh, um, these sound files. Uh, plus, there was a lot of rain. There was a lot of salt in the air because we were always so close to the salt water. And uh, Belize is not very friendly to electronics. Uh, that that salt environment just eats electronics alive. Um, a couple of our friends that we met... They said uh, flat screen TVs typically are, you know, maybe two to three years. Uh, laptops fry often. So, so I thought that was a good excuse to not, <laughs> to not do the podcast. So what I did do was write. I wrote a lot. 
Um, and if you'd like to see some of my essays on our year, on our nine months in Belize, more on that later, uh, just go to my website, chefjohnmalik.com. If you type in Chef John, uh, it'll come up in, in Google, in the Google search results. And I've got about 25 essays there about Belize plus some recipes. And you just have to search back, go all the way back to November. Um, so anyway, we're home now. Our tenants left the end of September. We moved back in the house October 1. Y'all, the first thing we did was we painted the inside of our of our farmhouse, right? Um, I don't know if, you, if you've ever been anywhere in the Caribbean. We've been to the Bahamas a couple times, Mexico, the coast of Mexico a couple times, and now Belize. And, we, and uh, you know, there's no such thing as, as HOAs. I'm pretty sure that's a uniquely American invention, right? Uh, homeowners associations that, that, you know, tell you what color you can and can't paint your house. So uh, we decided, we were there in Belize about three or four months, you know, and all the homes are like pink and aquamarine and sky blue and bright orange and sunny yellow. And some people paint murals on the side of their houses with sea turtles and stuff. I was like, you know what? When we get home, first thing we're doing is we're going to paint the inside of our house, get rid of all those stupid neutral colors. So that's what we did the first week we were home. Uh, so now all of our ceilings are sky blue. Uh, some of our walls are school bus yellow. Like the kitchen is like school bus yellow now. Um, the the hallways are sunny yellow. Our um, our bedroom is coral, right? And um, and and then eventually we're gonna paint. We have a, a brick outside in the back. We're gonna we're gonna paint that maybe I don't know Caribbean blue or something like that. I'd love to have, you know, if one of my if one of my fans is a paints murals and can paint us a uh, a huge uh, sea turtle an underwater scene, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Um, when we bought, you know, when we bought all these colors, all these colorful paints at Duncan's on Augusta Road, the guy told us, he asked us, he says, what, what's all this for? And, and, and I told him and he goes, man, you know, while you're gone, the latest fashion for interiors is white walls and black trim. And I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? <laughs> no, <laughs> no white and black. Now as for the farm, um, we have about a dozen chickens right now. Uh, our dogs are very glad to be home. Uh, you remember, remember our, our big turkey, Tom, who a lot of my previous guests have spent time with and had, and got to feed. So Tom is back. He, we gave him to some neighbors and that have, uh, turkeys and he's got a new, uh, he's got a new woman. It's, uh, uh, she's a, um, she's a bourbon red, beautiful brown turkey. Um, but the hen we gave, we gave uh, uh, Thomas a Narragansett, so he's a beautiful uh, black, white, red, white, and blue turkey. Kid you not. And uh, we gave our neighbors uh, one of the Narragansett hens, and unfortunately that hen uh, met with a fox uh, while we were away. Um, so they gave us a, uh, a bourbon red, who's very different, and she's full-blooded bourbon red. I'd really like to find another, um, another Narragansett to breed with Tom, and a bourbon red to, to breed with the hen, but that probably wouldn't work out very well. Anyway, uh, we did give away our honeybee supplies. We gave them to Christian Hansen over at Blue Ridge Creamery and Tony Keeley, chef of Northampton Wine Cafe, and hopefully one of them remembers and brings us some honey very soon. So we've been home a little bit over two weeks now, and uh, I tell you, we are both having Rip Van Winkle moments as we go through town. You know, there's so much new construction, so much under construction, so many new faces in town. It's uh, it's quite. It, it was jarring at first, the first 
week, you know, driving around going, whoa, wow, look at all this change. Um, but now we're, we're getting used to it. So on to the podcast. Uh, and I'd like to make a suggestion first, get some listener feedback. And I know while I was gone, so the podcast is still up, I was getting, you know, 20, 25 listens a week. Uh, my audio host kept uh, emailing me and going, oh, well, you got 27 downloads this week. So I know I've still got fans out there. Unfortunately, uh, one of the places I know um, uh, one of my favorite episodes was about um, El Thrifty, the, the, the brilliant El Thrifty on the Swamp Rabbit. Uh, that is now gone, and in its place is a, is a brew pub. Uh, the name slips me. I'll have to look it up here. Um, anyway, I'd also like to broaden the scope of the podcast just a tad bit and um, find some writers uh, that are uh, doing a great job of writing about food or the food and beverage business, whether that business is today or a hundred years ago. Uh, so, and I'm also going to find some interesting food and beverage folks that are doing provocative work, uh, representing the ethos of the Appalachian region. Uh, region. Uh, I'd like to expand a little bit out from Greenville. Uh, so. Uh, now, back to the writers, I believe within a couple of years or so, I'll transition from a consulting chef to a writer uh, when my, when my uh, book comes out. The written word is still very important to me, and I love Audible. I'm a big fan of Audible, and I love listening to authors read their work. So I planned on uh, finding a few intriguing voices to feature. Uh, please know food bloggers that cannot construct a complete sentence or insist on labeling an appealing bite of food with words such as yummo. Ain't going to happen here. Uh, so I'd like some honest storytellers, and I know there's a few in the upstate and beyond. And of course, I'll find them, have them on, and get them to read their favorite stories. Um, I guess I'll have to re-record my introduction. Uh, sadly, our, our, our uh, favorite rooster, right before we left, it was like a month before we were... We were leaving, you know, I, I was, my last episode was about euphoria. I did that great episode with uh, Ted Lee, Jeff Kelly, Christian Hansen. And um, so at the time, Ralph, our rooster, he, he had developed an infection in his eye, which spread to his lungs. And if you know anything about chicken anatomy, you know, it's, it's a minor infection in their eye. It can spread to their respiratory system really fast. And I personally nursed him for like seven days and I uh, had to separate him from the flock. And uh, damn, if he didn't, he just got worse. And uh, we just had to let him go. It's very sad. Uh, rooster, a rooster is important for a flock of chickens. And Ralph, who we learned over the years of having other roosters in our stead, Ralph was a very good, very good rooster, took very good care of his, uh, of his hens. And uh, we do not have a new rooster yet. But we'll keep him on the introduction. So, Tin Roof Farm website. The Tin Roof Farm radio show website is gone. Um, as my web views started dropping off, my listeners began building. The first three or four shows I did, I had four times as many web views as I did listeners. But that soon flip-flopped, and then my web viewers uh, plummeted as my listeners built up. Um, so I've just decided to, you know, let the, let the radio shows, uh, website go away. Um, still have the, the radio show is still on Facebook. 
So if I ever mention photographs like my hand, <laughs> so just go to find the Tin Reform Radio Show on Facebook and you can see the photos there. Um, now, I do not have a guest today. I am the guest, actually. <laughs> I have. Uh, we're still kind of unpacking boxes and my office is still a mess and I can't even find the darn stand for my microphone. But uh, anyway, um, what I plan to do is read my latest essay and uh, then I'll sign off. So... When we uh, came back into the into the U.S., we uh, flew into Phoenix. Uh, we bought a car in Phoenix and then drove home and visited a lot of friends and family along the way, uh, one of which was my wife, Amy, her Aunt Christy, and Christy's husband, John. And uh, they have a beautiful home it's on the southwest side of Columbus, Ohio. It's in the middle of all this rolling farmland. And uh, we we drove through the Appalachians to get there, right? We drove through northern Alabama and, um, and parts of northern Georgia and then into Tennessee. We stayed with friends in Chattanooga. And my gosh, I was so homesick when I was in Chattanooga because Chattanooga, it just it feels very similar to Greenville and the topography is very similar. And, you know, the Appalachians, those, all those hardwoods, they have a certain feel, a certain smell, a certain sound to them, especially at night. The stars were all in the right place at night. And uh, so that we were in um, Ohio about seven nights, eight nights, I believe, um, before driving back to Ch Chattanooga, spending another week in Chattanooga and then driving home. And uh, so in Columbus, Ohio, I wrote this essay one early one morning and uh, titled it Homesick. And at the time, we were so close to home, and I thought about what that word home means. So, I hope you enjoy, and you can identify. Yesterday's heavy rain has moved on, and this morning, cold air has taken its place. The rolling green hills of Ohio reach out to the tree line, and the tallest of those trees scrape the cloud bottoms. Heavy gray clouds, laden with the last few drops of summer, racing to the northwest. In the east, there's a warm glow, enough light to see Otis bolting across the rain-slick earth. Behind the glass door, her aunt's TV blares the latest news on a missing woman before glorifying yet another bumbling, incompetent president. Our journey home is almost complete, and I've never been more homesick. I want to feel that first rush of autumn's air on my own property, drink my friend's roasted coffee from my own mug, Contemplate my relationship with God and listen to the leaves of my own trees as they give way to that first chill. I was born in New Orleans, one of our country's great cities. It sits in a deepening crescent of the Mississippi River, and its heat, humidity, and flowing water have created a culture of food, music, and art that's attracted visitors from across the earth. It's a city whose natives are fiercely proud and they'll argue about everything that's important to me. Regional cuisine, the natural world, great music, and essential writers. And somehow, I'm not at home in New Orleans. My 26 years in South Louisiana didn't give me the deep roots that my friends have. And my visits have always felt like that, a visit. Not to my home, but to the place where I grew up. A week ago, in northwest Alabama, we crossed into the southern tip of the Appalachian Mountains, the mountain range that spans the southeast. 
From the Talladega Forest to the Shenandoah Range, this is the land that has fed my roots. This is the land where I really learned to cook, to think, to understand. I've climbed to the top of its mountains. I've swam in its rivers and lakes. I've slept under its stars. This is where I've left blood and bone as a competitive cyclist. This is the land of chanterelle and oyster mushrooms, of rainbow trout and salt-cured ham, of corn grits and pawpaws, black walnuts, and Carolina peaches. The rivers of Appalachia have nurtured the Cherokee, bolstered its fields, encouraged its explorers, and softened its rocks. The waters of the Chattooga, Kiwi, and Middle Saluda sparkle as they rush over ancient granite, limestone, and shale, and the sound of that rushing water is the sound of my home. This is a place where I've sought out excellence in my cooking and in my writing. And this is the land that's given me my scars, my sorrows, my aches and pains, my triumphs and joys. I feel the tug of my home in the tannic bite of wild mushrooms, the brightly colored cyclists with our muscular thighs, the pungent aroma of simmering collard greens, and the weight of the forest's air. I long to see the sunrise over my pasture, pull potatoes from my garden, simmer a pot of stone ground grits, sip bourbon with my neighbor, chop hickory with my axe, and scrape the dirt of my home from my boots. Greenville isn't perfect, and it certainly isn't New Orleans. It is the place where my roots run deepest, where my memories and my future belong. I'm John Malik. I help make restaurants successful. Thank you so much for listening. The Tin Roof Farm Radio Show is a production of Jack Russell Social Media, and our music is all gussied up by John Starcluster. Thank you for listening.